Welcome to the Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet, or anywhere. I'm your host, Megan. And I'm your host, Joe. And uh, if you want to reach out and contact us, because a couple of you actually have, you can reach out to us uh, on Twitter at Loinlander or Loinlander at gmail.com. We love, love, love hearing from you. We really do. Okay, so today we're here to talk about episode 309, The Doldrums was directed by David Moore, who is a new director to Outlander, but I noticed that he's also set to direct the next episode, which is also on a ship. So I don't know, maybe this guy is an expert um, or he specializes in ships or maybe directing in really confined, smaller spaces. Perhaps, yeah, because there was a lot of green screen work in this episode and that is a completely different thing to direct. So maybe that's why they brought him in, but also... Didn't they have another, the female director Didn't she, from Canada, didn't she direct back-to-back episodes as well? I think so, yeah. So maybe it's like a two-episode yeah, yeah, two deal or something. Them up. I don't know. Yeah. Direct one, get one free. Yeah. <laughs> That's very clever. Thank you. Um, and this episode was written by Shannon Goss, who is another new writer. Right. Can't have enough of those on this show. Can't have enough. Um, so the first thing we need to talk about is the new opening credits. Yeah. The new music and new images. Now, just a little bit of a background. Megan always watches the episode first without me so that I don't spoil it. She wants to watch it just pure Outlander fandom and then we watch That's it That's right. Again. I don't want any eye rolls no. or groans or... Breathing sounds or right. anything. So so when we watched it together, she she was like, you have to pay attention to the intro. It's very important. I said, you're going to be excited because little piece mm-hmm. of information about Joe is it drives him crazy. Like, what was it? Seven seasons of Mad Men and it was always just that same just cartoon man falling. falling. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It bugs me when they don't change up the intro. So I do respect that Outlander does do that. They yeah. change up their, their opening credits. I like that. Now, that being said, they had a few slightly... Well, the music was slightly sort of Jamaican sounding and they had some cool images. But I did read some people saying that the images were stereotypical and that they hoped that the portrayal of that culture was a little bit better. Yeah. When uh, we get to the episodes. We're not there yet, so no. who knows what's going to actually happen. But did happen. you feel offended by the... Jamaican shots in the opening credits? I mean, sometimes just watching this show offends me. Okay, so, that's so enough. It's, yeah, anyway. So we'll start with the title shot. Um, as it said, the doldrums. We see mm-hmm. a ship called the Artemis and uh, sailors climbing up the sails. I don't know about, I don't know enough about sailing to know all the right terms, but right. they're bowing, the boat they're bowing. Not, I, don't know. Bowing. I don't know what they're that's doing a, to the sails, but they're doing something. So then we get into the first scene, and it's with Jamie's wine-selling cousin, Jared, who mm-hmm. we haven't seen since the first episode of season two, and you actually remembered him. I asked you specifically, do you remember this guy? And yeah. you said, yeah, he was in the first episode of season two, which was very impressive. Yeah, I completely set up the plot line for season, or at least the first half of season two. Yeah. Um, he was the guy that helped Jamie and Claire establish themselves in Paris. He basically handed off Jamie's business to Jamie yeah. and, and walked away. Nice I can't memory. remember why, but it's irrelevant. So doesn't well, matter. This, the guy that plays Jared is a great actor, and I love that they got him to come back for another small scene. Yeah. It's, um, it's impressive, and it's an important scene because he provides them and the viewers everything we need to know about at, right at the start of the episode. So he says, you're going to act as supercargo um, in charge of the freight. It's a smaller ship, but it'll do... 
And he also provides them with the information about how there's one ship sailing under a Portuguese flag, and it's the Bruja, yeah. and its home port is Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, so, is, this is what we refer to as an exposition dump. Right. Which is, so <laughs> they have a scene with a character who just dumps all the information out so that we know what's about to happen in the future. So yeah. I, I don't, personally, a lot of people get offended by ex- exposition dumps. I like them. I like them yeah. too. And he says... Don't worry about young Ian. A healthy male can be sold for upwards of 30 pounds in Jamaica. So it's like if he stays quiet. Exposition dump. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about young Ian. Just worry about Claire and Jamie for now. Ian's fine. Right. And we also learned that Jamie's entourage is coming with him. So he asks about Willoughby and he's told he's already on the ship and he asks about Fergus. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he also, dues. yeah, and he also has the two Scottish guys from the print shop. I, I actually wrote down that they were Tweedledee and Tweedledum because I have absolutely no attachment to them. Yeah, and I asked if these two guys were from the book. They're mm-hmm. kind of well, they they play into this episode a little more heavily than they have in the past. But yeah, at first they, they just seem like kind of comic relief, but but it did come into play a little bit do you know one of the reasons why yeah they did and one of the reasons why i refuse to kind of get attached to them is because i feel like they are a replacement and sort of a poor replacement for the rupert and angus dynamic like that kind of relationship oh yeah they don't hold a candle no and and but i feel like there's kind of supposed to have that same charming duo that Rupert and Angus had. And it's like, no, too soon. Like, we just watched Rupert mm. be shot in yeah, the head. I'm not... They're not that. They're, they're... They aren't. And I feel like, I mean, I might be wrong, but yeah. that's sort of... Because they're always together right. and they're... I don't know. But I can't really... I I feel no attachment to them. No, me neither. But that actually, and I'll, I'll speak to it well, whatever I can say it now... Um, the reason or the the benefit to having no attachment to them is in this episode is that you don't actually know if that dude's gonna die. That's because true. If you don't have any attachment, it's not like they were putting Murtaugh up there. Like right. Murtaugh's not going in right. the water. Right. But you know, McDo number two could go head first. Yeah, that's what you kept calling him. Yeah, McDo number two. <laughs> that's right. Um, so also to note, uh, Jamie in this scene looks like he has wrinkles around his eyes and he actually looks older, which I enjoy. And you thought they were stunt wrinkles, stunt wrinkles, but I yeah. think that they're genuine because Sam Hewen's 37. Yeah, you do not have those. Kind of, yeah, that's true. You don't wrinkles. have those. Although wrinkles. I can't, I can't vault over a ledge down into a burning print shop no. either. So who Nor knows? Nor can you climb up a sail that's and right. balance. Yeah, it's a fair trade. Right. He'll take the wrinkles yeah. for his amazing yeah. agility. So then we're on the boat, and everyone is touching the horseshoe for good luck. And Jamie makes Claire touch it too, and she thinks the whole thing is very silly. Mm-hmm. And I've thought about this sort of thing before, but for someone who has traveled back in time. The way the fairy stories explain it, she has no tolerance for folk, for folklore or, or for superstition. superstition. Yeah, which if, if anyone should fully believe in superstition, yeah. it should be clear. If it were me and I'd had that experience, I'd believe in yeah. everything. I'd be like, no it's black like, cats crossing my path. I'm not walking yeah. under a Easter ladder. Easter Bunny? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Fergus and Mars... I always want to call her Marsali because that's how I read it in the book, but it's actually pronounced like it rhymes with parsley. So it's like... Marsley. Marsley. So Fergus and Marsley arrive. And what did you think of the actress who played Marsley? Well, Fergus arrives and is like... Or, or, yeah, or, no, you're or, right. Oh, sorry. It was McDo 1 and 2 where like oh, Fergus has brought some cargo on board. Right. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. And Jamie and Claire don't understand. Yeah. And we find out that it's Parsley. Right. And, uh, Marsley, yeah. And... Uh, so then she comes forward right. and she has, like, she's she's got personality that Yeah, girl. she sp- wastes no time calling Claire a whore. 
Yeah. And uh, so, uh, and Claire and her have a have a stare off, and and Jamie pulls Fergus aside. Right, like, what the hell are you doing? And I've said it before, but um, Fergus and Jamie have great chemistry. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I, you know, it's so weird. Fergus, new Fergus's accent bugs me. You feel like it's fake, but we looked, and he's from. He's, he's French. <laughs> That's the weirdest part. Is like maybe because we're Canadian, so I'm used to a French Canadian accent, and his is a Parisian accent. I'm not really sure. Or maybe he's doing half, half this Parisian, half Scottish, right? Because he's trying that, to act it. Yeah, because that character only lived in France until he was 12, right. and then he lived in. Scotland from the time he was 12 until he was 28. Totally. I I haven't heard New Fergus's actual speaking voice. I don't know, but his there's something about his accent that just kind of, I don't know. Doesn't it, doesn't it, sit well it, with it you? It seems weird. It seems fake. It's like, yeah, anyway, whatever. It's like Kevin so Costner and Robin Hood. Oh, great movie though, mm. despite the Solid accent. Movie, yeah. So Okay, so you didn't pick up on the chemistry because you're just kind of distracted by uh, the accent. I, I like the actor, but yeah, I just can't get by it yet. Yeah. Also, I wanted to point out that I hardly ever notice that Fergus is missing a hand, and I like that. Because uh, I know that, okay, Joe hates, hates when a character loses a hand on TV because it's so distracting, and every time they're on screen... Right, it just they, looks like he has a one extra long arm with a hand attached to the end So of you it. do notice it? Well, I like what they did in, like, say, Game of Thrones, where they gave, uh, for those of you, a character named Jamie Lannister, very big character in the show, gets his hand cut off, and they give him this golden hand. But then what he does is he wears a glove over his golden hand. Yeah. So then you can just wear a glove over your actual hand, right. and then you have two no, properly, properly length arms. Yep. Uh, you can't do that with Fergus's wooden club, so... Uh, yeah, just they've they've done a good job of just not of just framing it out, which they I, really do, which is the best you can do. Yeah. I, but I just if I ever adapted any book or anything where the person loses their hand, like that is gone, like all hands all the time. Right. <laughs> so Jamie says separate bedrooms for Fergus and Marsley, and for Jamie and Claire, which is so annoying. It bugged me in the book and it bugged me in the TV Claire show. Was so pissed. Oh, I don't blame her. She's like, sorry. You're trying to save yeah. her virtue and mine, like. Right. We well, don't... yeah, yeah. It's like that was the thing. Is I thought I thought that's actually the funny part. I thought she was mad because Jamie was putting her with Parsley, who just called her a whore. Mm-hmm. And uh, but no, in fact, it was just because Claire wanted to get some well, and was upset. Can you blame her? She no. waited twenty years to I get know. some. Well, she went through she the says. stones no, to I, get I, some. I just thought it was funny that I, I just mixed up her motivations. She was right. just she was just randy. Well, that's really funny because yeah. she's like. Um, can you come in here for a minute? You're you not look like you're, well. yeah, you're not feeling well. And he's like, I feel fine. It's like, Jamie, come on, pick up on yeah. cues. That's not. So um, then Jamie is nauseous. Yeah. And the king of sensitivity. Well, he's a sensitive snowflower. He, Jamie is. He has he has no sea legs. He has very bad motion sickness, mm-hmm. and it shows Claire fixing people up on the ship. Someone's hit their head and. The captain comes down and the crew believes that they're having some bad luck because someone didn't touch the horseshoe and right. Claire dramatically rolls her eyes. Right. Like she has no tolerance. Yeah. And the captain invites her to join him for dinner. Mm-hmm. He quotes Shakespeare and she cuts him off and finishes the quote. Right, which impressed him a little bit. I think it did. Yeah, it I think did. it did. Yeah. Right. But she shows him up. Yeah, I mean that's you what know, that's what Claire Randall does. Yeah. Like, I'm an amazing surgeon. Also everything I, else. Also everything else, yeah. yeah that's right. So the next scene, Fergus and Jamie 
are talking and Jamie looks worse. The makeup in this episode is incredible because every time they showed Jamie, he did look more and more pale and sweaty. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we have Claire and the captain having dinner. And Claire is as direct as always. I actually really liked this character moment. Was this before or after the stunt vomit? This is before pre-stunt vomit? Before, yeah. Because he's he's gradually getting worse and worse. So, yeah, this character moment with Claire where um because the captain says well it's a shame that your husband couldn't come and she says well it was really me that you wanted to talk to because i question your authority in regards to the horseshoe and i thought you know what good for you claire like just put it out there on the table but it's also it's also just vintage claire in the fact that it's like she knew she was yeah being you know that she was basically getting everyone in trouble and causing shit she doesn't care she's claire She's like, let's talk about it. That's right. I did that. That's right. And what do you what do you think of the captain? I like him. Seems yeah. good. I mean, it's a solid character. It's not doesn't doesn't offend me. Okay. So the next scene is with Jamie, and he is now deteriorated mm-hmm. further, and he is throwing up into a bucket. Stunt vomit. Yeah. Which yeah, I told Joe. I said, how do you think his how do you think his throwing up acting is? Because to me, it looked very very real. Mm-hmm. And I had read interviews with Sam Hewen saying that the concoction that they gave him was egg whites with other things and he had to hold it in his mouth before and it made him throw up because so, I guess it just tasted so awful. So it actually, the stun so vomit was real vomit. Yeah. Well, at least made him gay. Right. And you can kind of see that. Like yeah. to me, I was like, good job, Sam Hewen. This good is job. very believable puking. Um, and Mr. Willoughby comes in and... Yeah, he basically says, are you ready to be done with this now? Or are you going to drink more of that ginger tea? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you kept saying, what's he doing? What's his magic trick? What does he want to do? What does he want Jamie to do? Like you knew Willoughby had something. Right. So I, I just want to, since we're on Willoughby and there's more Willoughby in this episode, but I want to say that uh, I still don't really know what Willoughby was portrayed like in the book, but from everything I can tell, it is absolutely nothing like he is portrayed in the show. Yeah. I like Willoughby in the I show a too. lot and he seems... Uh, just like this kind, um, lonely, lonely as we find out later. But you know, just like a kind but intelligence uh, person. Yeah. So skilled. Skilled as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, it's I, compared to what I've heard about what the characters like. I, I like that. I do too. Yeah, I like that they changed this. I do too. Could have kept the hand too, but whatever. Anyway. So the next scene is Marsley and Claire decide where where to sleep they're deciding who sleeps on what right and uh marcely throws claire some serious shade oh that, not even shade she just straight up calls her a whore again well, and she says because claire's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get involved and she's like sorry let me get this straight you drop out of the clear blue sky you ruined my entire family but now you want to stay out of this is right. that is that yeah. right and uh I like her. She looks enough like Leary to believe that they're related, but she does seem smarter and quicker. And doesn't have that just overall sad desperation of her of her on-screen mother. But then I like how Claire just, you know... She's like, well, the horse should get the bigger bed. That's right. <laughs> and she just goes into and it and closes the door. She just goes and closes the little Again, gates. love, love Claire Fraser for so many reasons, but mm-hmm. one of them is like when you've got an ego that big and someone calls you a whore, yeah. you're like, great, so I get the bigger bed. And I just, uh, this is another thing I was thinking about the other day. You know, I often on this podcast talk about how much I, I really don't like, like, I think that Claire is a, just 
one of the most selfish characters I've ever seen on TV and just, you know, like not, uh, it's all Claire all the time and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to stop for a second and say that um, the reason I feel that way is because Katrina Balf does such a fantastic job playing mm-hmm. this character. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, uh, you know, I dog this show a lot, but I, I, you know, I have to give credit where credit is due. And Katrina Balf is, is a fantastic actress. She is. And she really just plays the hell out of this character. So good for you if you're listening out there. Caltronia, this one's for you. Um, yeah, I 100% agree. And it's funny because in the book, even though Claire is the main character, she's not that likable. Like she's... She's fine, but she's not warm and engaging. Like, when you read the book, at least for me, Jamie seems, he's so much more multidimensional and warm, and there's just so much more to that character than Claire. So I feel like... I don't find her terribly warm in the show, either. She can be, though. And I think that when she is, that's Katrina Balfe adding to it. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. So the next scene is Claire goes downstairs and finds Jamie and he's smiling and he's wolfing down some porridge. Yeah, he's good to go. And she's like, oh, and she's all probably like, aren't you feeling better? I guess my ginger tea. Yeah. Jamie does not say anything to the contrary. He just keeps eating some porridge and yeah. moving on. Fergus and Marcely come downstairs and yeah. say, hey, Fergus says, I told her everything about mm-hmm. all the women that I've slept with mm-hmm. and can we just get married now? Many. Yeah. 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 Actually, that was, we kind of skipped over that, but I really liked when Fergus right. and Jamie were talking and Jamie's like, have you told her everything? And Fergus said, well, I told her I grew up in a brothel and Jamie's like, and what about all the other lasses? Yeah. Like it was Kirsten oh, yeah. in the spring and then, right, right. yeah, like yeah. they know each other so well. Right. So, and anyways, Claire actually kind of stands up for them and says, I think mm-hmm. we should just support this. And, and I like the, the, the look that Parsley gives Claire, like the shocking look where she, yeah. you know, when she sees that Claire supports them. Yeah. But Jamie's not having any. No. He says no. Then we have uh, Mr. Willoughby writing Chinese on the ship's floorboards. And Claire asks to hear his life story, which I thought was really nice. She smiles and she says, would you tell it to me? He says no. Um, because he says, once I tell my story, I have to throw it away. Then it shows that time is passing and Claire is going gray again. It's which a montage. Enjoy. It's a montage. I love which, a good montage. Yeah, and her voiceover tells us that she actually quite likes being at sea with an endless horizon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. she's needed, right? Claire loves that. Yeah, Claire Claire loves being needed for sure. I, I mean, I think everyone, everyone does. Yeah, needed, let's be honest. So. But yeah, so they show a nice little montage of, of everyone montaging. Yeah, and, she's and, helping people with their bumps and bruises right. and... Then she walks in on Jamie getting acupuncture. Right. Dun, dun, dun. That's what Willoughby's doing, been doing this whole time. Which is why he hasn't been nauseous for like weeks. The biggest needles I've ever yes. seen. It's yeah. like he's sticking, I don't even know what. I don't even know what those were. I mean, I've, I have gotten acupuncture and I can tell you that it wasn't. He's like sticking number two pencils in Jamie's face. Those yeah. were massive. They were really big. Yeah. And he says he didn't want to tell her because he felt like they were on shaky ground. And Claire says, no, 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 I never doubted my love for you, but I actually feel like this is kind of inconsistent writing. Because she just she seemed like she was, I mean, she was really doubting it at the end of last episode. We all heard it. We all heard that at the last episode. That was in her script. She was meant to say that. And then a mere half hour later, she's fine. She's calling him out on saying they're on shaky ground. I don't know. Like, I just, I wish we could be a little more consistent with the Mm -hmm. writing. Yeah. And I'm just getting 
bored of this whole like do you really love me do you still love which me? they do we know they do yeah it's like of course we do there's 98 more books like there's no secret here you guys are sticking together Forever. like i just feel Frank's like it's, it's a yeah. waste of copy anyway yeah. go so on the ship stops moving there's no wind yeah jamie's like we're not moving we're not moving yeah there's so no wind upstairs. jamie goes up goes up to the top of the deck still with his number two pencil stuck in his face yes and they and and Willoughby's right there, and he starts taking them out. And someone says, "This is bad luck. It's because of the Chinaman. He didn't yeah. touch the horseshoe." Right. And uh, someone actually says, "No, I saw him. I saw him touch it." <laughs> Willoughby gives Jamie the. Whew, I know like, Willoughby's like, like that like, was I'm, a close one. I'm going over. Yeah, Willoughby's and, very aware of his standing on oh, the boat. Oh yeah. And then they blame Tweedledum or McDo too. McDo number two, him. yeah. Well, you there was some lead up to this because every time they'd spoken about the the horseshoe touching, there was like a he very, always looked really nervous. Yeah, there was like a really like beat you over the head shot of McDew number two looking sweaty and shifty eyed. You know, so so you know this was obviously no big shock to anyone. Uh, so yeah, so they start calling him the Jonah, which uh, means they're gonna they're gonna chuck him to the sea and hope he ends up in the belly of a whale. And um, yeah, no, it's. Uh, so they want to throw him over, basically. Yeah. So Claire, I love this moment. There was a couple of really great Claire moments where she stands up and she says, okay. And she like reaches and slaps the horseshoe and she's like, why don't we all line up and touch the horseshoe now so that we know that everyone has complied with the rules of the ship. And I really love Claire in this moment because she yeah. thinks it's crazy. Right. But she's like, you know what? If we're actually talking right. about throwing people overboard. Right. Let's just all touch the yeah, horseshoe. Yeah, I will passively, aggressively talk down to all of you, but let's touch let's the horseshoe. Let's just touch it. Um, yeah. So then, then we then it's nightfall, mm-hmm. and you said, "Wow, this soundstage is so beautiful." <laughs> because yeah. it did actually like it. It was a bit much. The stars seemed a little bit unrealistic to me. I mean, you know, they only have so much budget, but this was. It, you know, it was pretty obvious green screen work for, for me, but I mean, whatever. It didn't look, it's not, it's the lighting that gives it away, but that that's totally fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they can only do with what they can. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I, I took a look online at, at some of the, the setup and it, it was, I mean, a massive setup. Like they had, they had a real boat and green, uh, green screen panels set up all around it. You know, I think... I thought it, you know, for what it was, it looked fine. And the boat was on, um, like, a hydraulic system to make it move, yeah, too. Yeah, no, no. They did a great... I mean, I think they actually did a really good job, short of it not being out on sea. Yeah. But, yeah, the light was... Yeah, the light gives it away. But anyway, that's fine. And then they, they talk... They, they're looking at the moon, and uh, Claire quotes, Good Night Moon, which made me cry, because oh, I, I love that, that book. I love that book. I read it our little guy all the time i find it creepy and I, you know just a little aside they did there was a movie with jake gyllenhaal and ryan reynolds it was like a space horror movie and they did a trailer and they put goodnight moon underneath it and i've never found a more fitting use for really that book. yeah it's terrifying and i that's how i feel about that book so anyway but maybe i it think was, it's a sweet book you know, and that makes heart that scene where claire quoted it made me cry mm-hmm, it did so days turn into weeks and the wind does not return. Mm-hmm. Everyone's growing anxious. God, that's got to be terrible. That like weeks on, a, on an unmoving boat. Like that's not awful. a big boat. No, and they start running out of drinkable water. Right. They're going to have to quote half ration for every man. Yeah. And they're praying for rain. There's yep. that disgusting scene where they 
see they're they're looking at their water sources yeah and all the water went, went, yeah all the water got contaminated and yeah it's no. disgusting so jamie and claire are having dinner with the captain and he essentially says he wants to allow the men to throw someone overboard yeah because he says some they believe that this will work i'm gonna let them right yeah he's like it doesn't matter what i believe but if basically what he's saying is if i don't let them throw somebody over they're gonna throw me over yeah. And it's somebody else. And Claire's me. like, you actually believe this is someone's fault? He's like, I'm not talking about fault. I'm talking about blame. And right. we need someone to blame. Yeah. It's like, whew. Mm-hmm. And, and then Jamie says, well, you're not throwing any of my men over. Yeah. Even though, obviously, if any of them are going, it's his. So Jamie and Claire come out onto the deck, and McDoo number two is... Yeah. He's drunk and up the flagpole. He's drunk and up the flagpole, and Jamie climbs up, and he... Well, they, and... Try and, they try and talk him down. He's not coming down. He's not down. coming down. And all the all the people, all the crewmen are like, jump, jump, you Jonah, jump! He's like, chugging. He's, he's ready to go. Um, and Jamie and and him have a Jack and Rose moment where Jamie says, "If you, <laughs> if you jump, I'll jump. Like if you That's fall right. in, I'll have to jump in after you." You know what this show could use? Billy Zane. You are such a weird fan of Billy Zane. I, I love Billy Zane. I do if not they think cast Billy Zane I in the show. It would yeah. buy me two seasons. No, I do not think that Billy Zane would fit in Outlander. Uh, he would fit in anything. Anyway. Jamie saves him. Yeah. They land on deck safely. And Mr. Willoughby stands up and tells his story. And everyone gets distracted. Yeah, yeah. Willoughby, well, Willoughby looks out first and he sees a seagull. Yeah. Uh, is it a pelican? I thought it was a pelican. I think it's a pelican. Could be a seagull. It's a, a bird, mm-hmm. a seafaring bird mm-hmm. flying, flying low across the water. And then uh, he turns around and he starts... Basically, just starts chanting his tale. Yeah, what which, did you uh, think of that scene? Uh, it started out. I mean, it was weird. Uh, the story was weird. Mm-hmm. You know, all I could think about was when the actor that played Willoughby got the script and was like, "Really, this is my big monologue moment." Uh, there was a lot of like he starts going on about you know how much like the story itself was touching. Willoughby was uh, was was invited to the castle um to to be you know under the i can't remember it fully but basically to to be under under the empress well no but then the, the the it was this great honor he got to go go to the castle and be with the empress but the the other side of it was that if he was gonna go they had to make him into a eunuch they had to you know cut right. off his stuff and so he was torn because he wanted his stuff but yeah. he also you know wanted the honor and then uh, as the story goes on, you find out that he actually fell in love with the the empress, and uh, so you know he. Well, had, he loves women. In he loves general. women in general. That's, that's why that's right. he couldn't. Oh, that's right. Claire said it was the empress, right? And he's like, no, it's all women. I just love women too much to cut my stuff off. Talks about their apricot breasts. Yeah. Then it gets weird. Yeah. Then he starts he getting really yeah. like produce specific <laughs> references about lady parts, yep. and it gets really bizarre. Yep. Like it's. Like just and and like it's I don't know if it's supposed to be because the crowd the crowd the the crew is kind of giggling at it like so you know basically the whole point of this is Willoughby was trying to distract them because he knows the wind is coming yeah. so he's trying to buy time to save uh, McDo number two's yeah. life. The story itself though was really odd. It was also kind of tragic, right? Because he loves women so much. 
he didn't he escaped but he escaped to scotland where no one will even look at yeah, him because he's such an like outcast they, so they, they call him like a little yellow man or something yeah it was a sad like it was yeah. a sad sad tale but, terrible but then but then yeah he so there's this big flourishing moment where he stands up and he throws his papers into the 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 air and they go fluttering off and then you know almost magically the wind comes up the wind comes up and it starts to rain right and i i love this scene mm-hmm they all scream, we have wind, yeah. and then rain, and then the water is falling down, and they now have drinkable mm-hmm. water, and they're all throwing it into buckets. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, basically Willoughby comes over to Jamie and confides that he saw the bird flying low, and he knows that, uh, I'm not a meteorologist, but like, I don't know, a low-pressure system, birds fly <laughs> yeah. low, which yeah, means yeah, there's yeah, rain yeah. coming, I don't know, blah, 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 blah. Apparently, apparently Willoughby went to uh, meteorologist school, mm-hmm. and that's cool, whatever. Yeah. So then Jamie and Claire go below deck and have a moment together and i actually i love the scene where they go below and it's because it's windy the ship's rocking back and forth and they're kind of bumping into each other back and forth and giggling like it's really sweet it's a really cute moment and then they go into a room and you're like oh claire really liked all of willoughby's analogies yeah she liked that she's like guess who else has apricots and yeah it was really weird just weird uh, but yeah, she she really got she really got Randy with uh, Willoughby's story. It was an aphrodisiac for her. And then afterwards, they're lying there, and Jamie says that her gray is like the silver. silver moonlight hitting it. And she says, "How can I not love a man that speaks like that?" And then, and I thought this was kind of a cute wink nod right. to yeah. the audience. She says, "If you lived in the 20th century and spoke like that, you'd be called the King of Men." The King of Men. Which is funny because mm-hmm. that's what Outlander fans right. refer to Jamie Fraser as, and, and of course. He got a huge smile on his face, and you're like, "Well, who wouldn't want to be? Who wouldn't want to hear that?" Pretty standard, yeah. Then another ship is coming towards them, a big ship. Yeah. The captain comes, and he looks about 14 years old. He he comes over onto their ship. Yeah. And he he says, "You know, they're all sick." And Claire says, "I will come aboard." She says, "No, you will not." Mm-hmm. And Claire says, "I do what I want." This was this though was one time where it makes sense to me. Yeah. That she wants to help a lot, like when she wanted to help Rapey, and she's like, "I am a surgeon. No. I need to." See. It's like, "What are you doing?" Whereas this makes sense. First of all, she's immunized, so she's mm-hmm. not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Second of all, she has knowledge of what it is. Third, she can help a bunch of innocent people survive something, and she's not in any danger. And these are probably decent people. So to me, when she volunteered, like this made sense to me. Yeah, I, I mean, on the surface, it does. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So she arrives on the board of the other ship and she goes below where all the people are ill. And I thought this was a really effective scene where she has to like cover her mouth because it smells so bad. And mm-hmm. all you can hear is the sound of people retching all around her. Can I just, sorry, I just want to, one, one second, I just want to say, this is completely off topic from mm-hmm. what you're, from the retching. Okay. But sometimes I find it distracting about the things that Jamie questions about like Claire's future knowledge. Earlier in the episode, uh, when when they were under the moon, when, no, when oh. Fergus and uh, Parsley were coming to try and get Jamie to sign off in their marriage, yeah, Claire's like, "Oh well, I just think if we say yes, it'll fizzle out." And Jamie's like, "Well, I don't know what the fizzle is, but uh, I get your meaning." Mm-hmm. Like he didn't know fizzle out, but then he completely just rolls when she talks about how she's inoculated against typhoid fever, like the like. Does, well, does I, Jamie, will, does, I will explain that. You'll to know you. about how Jamie knows about because modern day inoculation. In um, 
episode 11 of season one. Mm-hmm. Remember when Galas right, Duncan yeah. lifts her shirt up? Mm-hmm. I'm acting it out, but no, no one yeah. can see me. She lifts her up. Yeah. shirt up and she has yeah. the, yeah, the scar. immunization scar. Yeah. And she says, this is my witch mark. Mm-hmm. And then later on, Jamie and Claire have a moment where he says, are you a witch? He's like, I've seen that scar on your shoulder a bunch mm-hmm. of times. I've never asked about it, but... I've seen it, and I think if that's a witch mark, that you're a witch. And she says, no. And she explains it's an immunization. It helps you against diseases okay. and blah, blah, blah. Totally so makes sense. Yeah, no. for her to say, I've no, been... No, that, that, no, totally makes sense. Okay. I, I've had forgotten about that. Okay. But he didn't seem very interested when she said that she'd seen a man walk on the moon. Yeah, that also seemed like it would be... He's, he's like, like, well, okay. well, I see a face. So yeah, I see a blah, face. Blah, blah, blah. It's the man yeah. on the moon. Yeah, yeah, no, I just find it weird, the things I agree. that, he, no, that, I that totally he pulls agree. out as yes. odd. And, yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. So it was funny because when Claire goes down, when she arrives on the other ship and she goes down below deck, you kept saying, who's going to be down here? You thought it was going to be a big moment. You, in fact, thought it would, might be Jack Black. I was hoping. Did I say Jack Black? You did. American <laughs> actor Jack Black. Coming up in the film Jumanji. I mean, Black... Jack. Black Jack Randall. You thought it would be... Yes. And I said, I wish Tobias Menzies was still on the show. He is not. And then you said, is it going to be Galis? Is it going to be Joe Abernathy? It's going to be somebody. You threw out like Dougal, which... At this point, I was really hoping for like something to get me interested. Yeah. Nothing. So Claire goes back up and she tells the captain, I'll need a dozen of your healthiest crewmen. And he says, well, you can start with Mr. Pound. Mr. Pound? And Mr. Pound walks in and he's 12. You called him... Corporal Kindergarten. Yeah, he is a young boy. Yeah. At best. Yeah. Yeah. So so, and so you realize what a dire situation yeah, they're they are. In. They are all they are like and it's all the young ones, because all the old ones have died already. Yeah. So then she goes below to start giving direction. Right. And then all of a sudden the the ship lurches. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. She runs up to the deck and finds that they have Pulled up the anchor and they are booking it. Yeah, and she says, you can't just kidnap me like this. And he's like, actually, I'm desperate and I'm going to. And this captain, this 14-year-old captain, doesn't seem like a bad guy. He no. just seem, he says, I'm desperate. I'm doing this. Well, and they already had explained that he actually can't do it. That, that he can come and, and, and take whatever of the yeah. crew he, he wants, basically. Yeah. And he said, you know, we're both going to Jamaica. I'm not really stealing you. You're just taking another boat. Yeah, and he's like, the captain knows. I, yeah, I've sent a message. the captain knew... But Jamie didn't know. So Jamie and Claire both thought she was coming over for a second. Right. But the captain was like, take her. Later. Yeah, well, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> anyway, so then Mr. Pound says, we're ready to move them in. And that's how it ends with Claire just watching the Artemis right. get smaller and smaller. Stunned. Separated again. Right. Credits. Credits. So what was your favorite? No, let's start with least favorite scene. At least this was like a really vanilla episode. Um, like you didn't the, love anything, but yeah, you like hate nothing, anything? nothing really. Well, I just mean like across the board. Like there was no big moments, but there was really no Horrible. low moments. It was just it was pretty like a flat line okay. across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was kind of a it was a it was a transition episode. Like they're transitioning between like I don't know if next episode they're just gonna land in Jamaica. No, they stay on the boat for a while? I think they're going to be on the ship for another episode. Hmm, I mean, in the book, it went on for thousands of pages. Right. And Willoughby's story itself went on for chapter after chapter after chapter. I'm good with no more Willoughby story. I I think we've now, I think with his weird... I think we're covered. Yeah, Yeah, I'm good. I agree. Like, I like the character and I like the actor, but I don't think I'm that interested. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, so least favorite scene. Least favorite scene. I think it was Willoughby's monologue. That was my just, least favorite as well. Yeah. Not that it wasn't interesting, I guess. Like, or, but I just yeah, it was definitely my it, least favorite. It's scene. just I mean this show just the the writing is just and, and I mean I'm sure that let's just say it wouldn't surprise me if that was pulled directly from the source material and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Favorite scene. Uh, my favorite scene would have been if you've got one, go ahead and okay. say it because I need I'll to think. I'll say mine so. first. So my favorite scene is when Claire and Jamie were giggling as the boat is like heaving and moving up and down. They're kind of bumping into each other. I thought it was really cute. They're pre, they're post, post Willoughby's monologue, pre, pre yeah, sex scene, pre King of Men, yeah, call out. That was my favorite. Uh, scene. I think my favorite scene would have been. Claire and Parsley when they first are in the room together and uh, she I like every time that she called her a hur. and Claire uh, just blinks yeah like <laughs> I, I liked Claire's like do you know how many times your mother has called me that right already? yeah that's just rolls off um, it's I like the, the that's kind of the most interesting dynamic in the show right mm-hmm. now is those two although I really I don't know but I feel like they're gonna those two are going to be thick as thieves before long. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, but that's uh, an interesting prediction. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, okay. And MVP. MVP was. MVP was strangely here. Here's what I'll tell you. MVP was actually Willoughby, because that actor. MVP and in your least favorite scene. Mm-hmm. Because he managed to read that with a straight face. He he pulled that off. He took some, like, just, just, it just wasn't, it was ridiculous, really. And he, he played it full out. And I like the part where he, like, throws the papers yeah, dramatically like into the wind. And, like, I like the character and I like the, I, I, I like the idea of that scene. Mm-hmm. But just the... I don't know. It just like when it got into like the weird juvenile fruit comparisons, yeah. it just lost me hard. Yeah, that's fair. But he executed it fantastically well. Yeah. Okay. MVP for me was Jamie. Well, he's a king of man. No, not just that. Sam Hewen is doing such a great job in this season. Yeah, he's, he's doing he's doing so well. Like, I buy everything he sells. Everything, yeah. yeah. So he was my MVP. Loin points. What did I give last week? Oh, I, I can't. Thirty-four. I think some somewhere in the low lows. Here, actually, I can tell you. I it's can tell okay. You. you don't have okay. to pull it up. Uh, okay. I mean, twenty. You'd give this less than last week. What was last week's episode? Last week's episode was when it was called The First Wife, and it was oh, when God, yeah. Claire. Oh, with the ridiculous pirate ship, of course. Sorry. Yeah, this gets more than that. So, whatever last week's episode, whatever, how many? How I don't many know. More? I don't know how many. We would have okay, to well, go back and listen. However many I gave it last week plus 10. No, you need to give a, you need to give a number 37. 37? Okay. Yeah. I give it 92. <laughs> Which is. Not so no. much. You only have a 10 point range. Like it's Well, n- I really like this episode. It's funny because we finished the ep- I I've watched I watched the episode four times. I watched it twice by myself, once with Joe, and then another mm-hmm. time after just to like take notes for the podcast. I'm going to bump mine up to like a flat 40. Okay. Cuz this was just like Yeah, it was a good episode. This episode was like it was a glass of water. 
Okay. It's huh. like there's, there's quenching. No one hates a glass of no. water. It was a glass of water. Yeah. Like, does anyone? Would anyone? Would most people would want to drink almost anything else other than a glass of water? Given the choice, no, Joe. Lots Some people, people love no, water. I know it's necessary like for life, water. but I'm saying, like, if I could have Most healthy people say, prefer a glass of water or whatever. No, but I mean, like, from a flavor standpoint. Uh, I'm, gonna, but, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna let this analogy go. You go ahead. That's, a, that's, that's basically it. I'm just gonna say it's a glass of water. It's okay. unoffensive, okay. but at the same time, boring. You know, it's it's nothing. It's okay. it's, it's a clear, flavorless. malleable liquid. Flavorless. flavorless. Okay. It's a good one. It's a flavorless, malleable liquid. So after we finished watching this episode, you said to me, did you really like that episode? And I said, yes, I loved it. And you said, for real though, like, is it just that it's Outlander? So you assume you like it and you don't even know if you did? Remember what you were I like? I did, is I did. Cause, just... cause and me... I said, honestly, I don't know. It could be that, but I'm just so happy to watch an episode of Outlander. So yeah. the lowest it would ever be is 85. And that was for that A. Malcolm. Right. For that A. Malcolm, yeah. which I just, which reminds me, just thinking about how long they were in that room for. I saw an interview with Matthew B. Roberts talking about the ship, and he's like, "Well, the most challenging thing for us with with the ship scenes was to make sure that we were constantly moving around. Even though it's a small set, you know, we'd make sure they were down in a room and then up mm-hmm. in the open air and then in the captain. So he's like, I knew that we needed to move around a lot, and I right. thought, good for you. What about when our characters were in the same room, lying in bed?" Minutes. For 28 minutes. Just out of curiosity, who wrote that episode? Matthew B. Roberts. That's right. Anyway. So, just just side note. Yeah. Anyways, I did love it. I gave it 92. Great episode. Yeah. I'll watch it again for I'm sure. sure you will. Knocked out of the park. They're all my friends. I love them all. That's right. The writers, the actors, all of it. Uh, I also I want want to go by every once in a while we talk about things that show up on, on Twitter and that kind of thing. And uh, Megan showed me an interesting tweet uh, that happened earlier this week when someone tweeted out to uh, Terry Dressback, who is Ronald D. Moore's wife and does mm-hmm. all the costumes for mm-hmm. Outlander and basically, you know, asked if if the, you know, if it was a budget restraint and that that's why we've only seen Claire in variations of her bat suit and uh, basically she just got whoever wrote that got a hard no a hard yeah. smack down no yeah. but then and I don't know if this was I mean they've, they'd already filmed it but but nice timing on the ass because mm-hmm. they happened to show a chest full of Claire's best Parisian dresses so yeah. I'm sure she'll be busting out some of that stuff in Jamaica I don't know like why would they show it if she's not going to wear it yeah so well and if we're talking about costumes for the incredibly astute viewers, they'll notice that the cloak that Marsley was wearing on the ship when she arrived, even though it had a different inseam, it's the same cloak that Claire was wearing in episode eight, both sides now, when she was running towards the stones screaming Frank before she was captured. It's right. this heavy green cloak and she, calls, and she wore it all through it. And she says, I thought I recognized that green cloak. And she says, did she repurpose? Cause she noticed that she like right. changed it a little bit, but that's what people would do. They would just, take one piece of really good quality clothing and they would change it up for years and years and years. Right. So yeah, so I just thought that was interesting timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I, I, the uh, the Parisian outfits were fantastic. Amazing. So, and we're so, going to see them again. Yeah, we'll see. We'll bust them out. It'll be interesting to see if they do what you just said, if they modify them in some way. Spoiler, they do. We've seen pictures. Oh, spoiler, yeah. I haven't. Okay. So, okay, because <laughs> I don't look. But anyway. Okay, well, yeah. that's a wrap. That is a wrap. Thank you for joining us for yet another edition of Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet. 
Join in next week and good night. We'll talk to you next week. And good night.